registry is the big base of what we're doing. Patients and families participate in this research through the CARA registry. I'm here to talk to you guys about the CARA registry. The registry continues to be the foundation for all of that research. We cannot do it without the registry. If you're a patient like me, you've probably heard the term registry. Maybe you've been asked to join the CARE Registry. CARE Registry. Registry. CARE Registry. Registry. CARE Registry. And if you're like me, you probably only have a sense of what that means. In this episode, we're going to learn what a registry is, the roles registries play in research, and how patient families can help support them. Welcome to the CARE Podcast. CARA is the Childhood Arthritis and Rheumatology Research Alliance. We are doctors, researchers, and patients all working together to prevent, treat, and cure pediatric rheumatic disease. My name is Claudette Johnson, and I'm your host. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Mary Beth Sun. She's the Section Chief of Rheumatology at Boston Children's Hospital and Associate Professor of Pediatrics at Harvard Medical School. Last year, Dr. Sun was among the principal investigators who received a $4.4 million grant from the CDC to advance childhood lupus research through the CARE Registry. Simply put, Dr. Sun knows a lot about registries and how important they are to research. Dr. Sun, thank you so much for joining us. Happy to be here today, Claudette. So we first met when I went to Boston Children's Hospital to come get a second opinion on my diagnosis of linear scleroderma. I don't know if you remember me. I remember I remember you very well. It was a long time ago. What year was that? Oh my gosh. I got diagnosed when I was like nine years old. Yeah. So yeah. whatever year that was. <laughs> Many years ago. Yeah. Um, what I remember most from there was you had these piano stairs yes. where if you stepped on the steps, it would play the keyboard sounds. Yes. That was just like the highlight of my entire trip. <laughs> we still have them, so that's good to hear. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so this podcast episode, we're going to be talking about registries. Mm -hmm. And what often happens is when patients are first diagnosed, they are asked by their doctors and their families about joining a registry. Now, I thought we, it would be good to just start off with the question, what is a registry? Sure. So um, a registry generally refers to sort of like a repository or a collection um, of data. And uh, you can have typically research registries have a lot of clinical data regarding the patients um, that participate in them. And the data can really vary in terms of how much data you collect, what kind of data you collect, if you collect other things like biosamples. But a registry itself is a very broad term for a way to capture important information that you think will inform uh, research questions and research projects. So you said you collect, it collects data. Uh, what sort of data is that? If you could go more into detail. Sure, sure. Would you like me to talk about the CARA registry or just in general? Sure, CARA registry. Sure. Um, so the CARA registry uh, is a, it's a large registry and it uh, is used to study pediatric rheumatic disease. And it has a lot of people participating and supporting it. Um, and at the moment, there's three main diseases that we collect data on. Um, and that includes juvenile arthritis, lupus, and uh, juvenile dermatomyositis. So these are three of the more common things that we see in pediatric rheumatology clinics. 
Um, and the real advantage, I think, of studying pediatric rheumatic disease in a registry is that these are rare diseases. And so, and we really want to be able to answer the kinds of questions that patients like you and families like yours come to us with. And so any one center has a very difficult time like robustly answering questions about these diseases because they're rare. But if you pull everybody in, um, then you're really able um, to study things and hopefully get to some meaningful answers for patients and their families. So why do researchers specifically need and use the registry? What does it help? So it helps with um, clinical questions like, what medications are best for either me to take or for my child to take? What kinds of side effects do we see with different kinds of medications? What does it look like for a child or an adolescent with arthritis if they're five years into their diagnosis? How do things look like in regards to what kind of medications they're taking? What is their disease activity level? Because there's different disease activity measures that we can look at you know, in different diseases. Um, and it just gives, it, you're able to sort of build uh, snapshots of what it looks like along an entire spectrum of disease um, for children and for adolescents with these these specific diseases that I mentioned. So on the part of a patient, what can yeah. patients do to help the registry? Yeah, thank you for asking that question. So, you know, I, I would, and I'd love to hear what you think as well, Claudette, because I think sometimes um, research means different things to different people. And participation in research can sometimes, I think, seem either um, it's unfamiliar, maybe it sounds like a little scary, it's unclear like what people have to do, but for a registry, especially one like the care registry, which is what we call observational, which means that we're collecting data at routine visits. We're not asking patients and families to do things outside of clinic visits. And so I think if patients and families are interested, first of all, in any kind of research, I think they should always approach their doctors and ask, because that is how questions get answered, and we move things forward for clinical um, clinical outcomes that I think patients and families care about. So, But for a registry, all you have to do really is show up to clinic and report which medications you're on so that we can log that. And then we do ask either patients or their parents to fill out certain kinds of surveys. And those surveys are something called patient-reported outcomes because we want the patient voice involved in our clinical research. And so those are, um, the patient-reported outcomes have to do with, how do you do during the day? Do you have pain? Like, how is your function? How is going to school? Are there things that are hard for you? And so we do need um, patients engaged on that aspect of things. Like, we ask them to fill out those surveys because that's totally specific to them. We can't answer those questions. They have to be able to do that themselves. But it all happens within a clinic visit. So hopefully it doesn't feel like a lot of work, um, but it's contributing to, you know, a really important goal. Um, and on the question of biosamples, yeah. is that all also used? Yes. So I'm glad you asked about biosamples, right? Because if you think about it, we can collect all, all these different, what we call data points or different data items on patients who are in a registry. And that has to do with how old they are, what disease do they have, what medications do they take, is their disease active or not. But those are all questions that are answered um, without knowing what's going on inside that person's body itself. And so biosamples add in that whole dimension. And that way you can study someone's, you know, um, blood usually for different kinds of either markers of disease or predictors of disease. Um, and, that, and that you can match that to the patient's clinical data. And then we get a real picture 
of what's going on in that disease. So biosamples, um, and again, I, I love to talk about this because I want to dispel like any myths about what people might think about biosamples. Biosamples are just another way of doing research and helping us figure out what causes these disease, what makes them worse, what makes them better, and you know what the outcomes are. Do you have patients who are concerned about their privacy? And if so, what do you say to them to help reassure them? Yeah, thank you for asking that. Yeah, so for sure, that is one of the main concerns that's either brought up either by the patient or the family. And I think that's a very legitimate concern, especially in this day and age of people always feeling like they're being hacked and their information's being stolen. I mean, this is a really important question to ask for anything that you participate in. Um, so what I would say for the care registry specifically, which is what I can which is what I know the, the most about in this instance, is that um, the data the data that belong only to you, so like your name and your birthday and all that kind of information, is stored securely um, on a server, and it's um, it's only given out to other people as de-identified data, which means that no one would be able to figure out that it was you. Um, so we take security risks extremely seriously, and um, you know, happy to talk about it in clinic. But the risk is actually really quite low. Um, for, for these kind of data. Who is invited to join the CARA registry specifically? Is it every patient? So ideally speaking, we would like every patient who comes to a pediatric rheumatology clinic in either the U.S. or in Canada who have either juvenile arthritis, lupus, or juvenile dermatomyositis to be approached because we feel that research should be inclusive and representative. And what I mean by that is that we learn the best about these diseases if we get everybody who has it into research studies so that we really know what happens across the spectrum of disease. And so ideally speaking, we would like all patients at least to be approached. It doesn't mean that patients have to participate, just to be clear, right? Like each patient and family needs to make their own decisions that they're comfortable with for participation. But we feel like that decision should be up to them. And so they only get to make that decision if we ask them, if we approach them and say, we have this study in mind, would you consider participating? You said uh, you want to approach all patients about this. Does CARA having a big registry encourage more research? Is this why patients should join? Yes. So the registry is one thing that we do in terms of CARA's research, but there are other research studies that we also do. And so, and again, that's up to patients. They can do just the registry. And that's a hugely important contribution that we are very grateful for. Um, or there's other studies that they can do as well um, that also help further our field. So it isn't just a one or nothing. It's There's different variations depending on what families are interested in. What do you think is the biggest change you've seen in a person's life from CARA's registry? So that's a good question because, you know, with registry data, it doesn't benefit sort of like any one person, right? So if you put your data in, you won't necessarily know, you're, because we're protecting your privacy. We don't publish anybody's name or anything, right? So we put all the data into groups and then we study it that way. But what we can say is that participation in research might help other people, which I think some kids and families, when they're feeling either frustrated by lack of answers or feeling worried that there's not enough information out there for them, participating in research is a concrete way of saying, I'm helping to move this forward. And it may not help me today, but it might help me a few years down the road, and it might also help lots of people behind me who are coming, who are gonna have these diseases in a few years. And so I think the patients that I talk to who are most sort of inspired by their journey as a research participant really focus on that. They feel like 
with all the things that they may not have control over, they do have control over this, they have control over their participation and knowing that they're contributing um, to hopefully making it better for kids coming up behind them with similar or the same disease. Perfect. And I also wanted to ask about AI, because in this day and age, yeah. it's in the news a lot. <laughs> yes. And I feel like, do you see this new technology as helping these registries provide a new perspective on this data? Yes. I mean, I think I think AI could play you know, an important and really helpful role in terms of maybe like new kinds of analyses that we could do, new ways of looking at these data. Um, I, I still think that the human touch of having a one-on-one -on -one conversation about research between either, you know, a, a physician or a nurse or, you know, a person in clinic or research coordinators are hugely important is still really important and AI can never do that. Mm -hmm. But on the other side of like looking at the data once it's collected, I think that the it seems that we have more and more hope, reasons to be hopeful that will get more and more figured out. And you personally, how do you think the registry has sort of changed your perspective on your medical, uh, on your practice of medicine? I think the reason why I wanted to get involved and I stay, stayed involved um, in the care registry, there's probably a few reasons. One is that, you know, I mean, Claudette, I met you in clinic, right? And then you and your mom had really had all the questions that I would have had, right? And we don't have we don't have enough answers for everybody yet, and so being a part of this again, it's it makes me feel like I'm doing something concretely to try and help move the field forward. That as we collect more and more data, and we look at the data in certain ways and try to answer questions that are important to people who are involved with this, patients, physicians, you know, everybody, it makes me feel like I'm doing some small part in in moving that forward. I also just to say, find it um, I find it really meaningful and fun to collaborate with my colleagues in CARA, with family, you know, as you know, families are hugely important in CARA. Mm -hmm. This is another way to connect with families, which is like the best part of my job. So I do it for a few different reasons, but I think it's mostly, it gives me hope that, you know, we'll have, you know, studied different facets of different diseases and it'll help inform what we tell patients 10 years from now. And if there's a hesitant patient listening to this, yeah. unsure about joining the registry, yeah. what would you say to them? I think that I would ask them like, you know, what their concerns are because different people have different worries, right? So I, I do think privacy is a big thing and I totally get that. Um, I think other, sometimes other people aren't sure if it's gonna make a difference, you know, and like, why would they do it? And why would they take 10 more minutes in clinic to fill out those patient reported outcomes that I mentioned? So I think I would try and figure out what their concern is. And I would try to emphasize that um, care, the reason why CARA was founded was to make things better for patients um, because we were all, you know, all different centers trying to do small studies. And we really wanted to, to make it a more robust enterprise with lots of people working together. And so I would say that, you know, research is the way to make things better um, for patients and that we can't do it without them. Like we can't do it without you, right? Like it's all it's 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 all about you know involving patients and, and getting answers for them. So I would try to say that without ever pressuring them. I think it's also fine to say I'm not ready now. Could you talk to me later about it? Like you know again, like that's fine. Um, but I would mostly try to spend time figuring out what the concern was and making sure that we're really hearing them. Thank you, Dr. Mary Bassan. Um, before we end this, I just wanted to ask one more bonus question. <laughs> sure. And what what is one thing that your patients might not know about you? Oh. <laughs> um let's see. 
I have three daughters um, and I love being a mom and I really love Mike and Ike's. How about that? Dr. Mary Beth's son, thank you so much for joining us. Such a pleasure to be here, Claudette. Thank you. The Care Podcast wants to hear from you. If you have a topic for an upcoming episode, head over to our podcast page on the CARE website and leave us a message through a SpeakPipe link. We might play your voice on a future show, and we'll do our best to answer your questions. Finally, we encourage you to share the CARE podcast with friends, patients, and anyone else interested in learning more about the incredible work of the CARE community dedicated to creating a world free of limitations for children with rheumatic disease. This podcast is produced and edited by Emily Newen. Our music is by Jonathan M. Horner. Thanks for listening.